0: Would you pray with me again as we turn to the Word of God? Our Father in Heaven, our God, Lord Jesus Christ, we turn now to studying your Word. God, we want to understand it. We want to be made more like you. God, we want to see clearly, and we know that we can't do that on our own. God, please come and be with us today. Send us your Holy Spirit to open our eyes. Help us to understand and make us like you, as we were made to be. We pray this only in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, so you might have heard about what happened on Thursday in Kenya. Did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a university in Kenya, I don't know, I don't think it was specifically a Christian university, but it was attacked by terrorists, and they targeted Christians at the university. Uh, Kenya is a country mostly Christian, but a significant Muslim population. And when the terrorist organization entered the university, they must have known what was going on because they went straight for a prayer meeting, a Christian prayer meeting that was being held uh, somewhere in the, the central area of the, of the school. And so these Christians, I don't know how many, many of them, were in there praying quite fervently to God, like we will be on May 2nd, like we are every Sunday morning here. And armed, uh, armed terrorists entered and started shooting them. And I think only two of them made it out of that room alive. Now, one of the two that made it out of the room alive, uh, he was near the door. He said that's why he was able to get out. He ran uh, immediately as soon as the, uh, the terrorists entered. And he said he could hear behind him his friends crying out to Jesus and worshiping Jesus as they died. Now, What happened in that room? What happened in that room depends on whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. What really happened in that room depends on whether or not Jesus is alive. If Jesus is not alive, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then what happened in that room is a tragedy for those who were killed if the truth of the world is that this is all there is, you just got 70 years or whatever you happen to have, this life is all there is, all that you can see is what's real, then what happened to the Christians in that room is a tragedy. Everything they have was taken from them. But if Jesus is alive, if Jesus actually rose from the dead, then in fact something quite opposite happened to the Christians in that room. If Jesus is alive, then it's not that everything was taken from them, but they have now received more than we could possibly imagine. If Jesus is actually alive, then what happened in there was not a tragedy for the Christians, it is a tragedy for those who killed them, because they're killing themselves. In fact, what is real... What is true about the world, not just in that situation, but in every situation, depends on whether or not Jesus is actually alive. If he is not, the world is a very different place than if he is. We uh, just had a Good Friday service here. It was a fantastic time of worship. There were four different churches here two days ago on Good Friday. I am just curious, how many of you were here on Good Friday? Just put up your hand. That's great. Most of you, that's good. It's kind of hard to tell when there's a lot of other people here as well, just how many from our church were here. That's great. So Pastor Ian Buntain from Emmanuel Baptist spoke, and I really enjoyed his message. I don't know about you. I was very passionate. He spoke, and one of the things that he said, he talked from uh, Corinthians as well as a number of different passages, he talked about the time when Paul says that he, when he went to the Corinthians, he decided to know nothing, to talk about nothing with them, to focus on nothing except Jesus crucified, Christ and him crucified. And he talked about what is actually important for the church. And my favorite line from the sermon was when he said, as churches, we spend lots of time focused on things that really aren't important. And if it's not important, we should stop doing it. (laughs) That was my favorite line from his message. Now, he told us that what is really important... What is really important is Christ and Him crucified. And we're going to see in the passage that we're looking at today, 1 Corinthians 15. We will be going through it if you want to open your Bibles and follow along. That is the very same thing that Paul is telling us here. What is really important is Christ, Him crucified, and the fact that He rose from the dead. I'm going to read this first section, verses 1 through 8, again for you. And I'm going to read from a slightly different translation. It's similar, so you should have no problem following along if you'd like to read along. But I think it will help to give us a little bit different wording. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1, Paul says, My friends, I want you to remember the message that I preached and that you believed and trusted. You will be saved by this message if you hold firmly to it. But if you don't, your faith was all for nothing. So the message is extremely important. And not just to hear it once and say, oh yes, I believe, I agree that that's true. But to hold to it in your life. If you do not, your faith will have been for nothing. Verse 3. I told you the most important part of the message, exactly as it was told to me. Who told it to Paul, by the way? God told it to him. Jesus told it to him. Angels told it to him directly, as well as other human beings who were there and who saw it. That part, that most important part, is this. Christ died for our sins, as the scriptures say. He was buried, and three days later he was raised to life, as the scriptures say. Christ appeared to Peter Then to the twelve. After this, he appeared to more than 500 other followers. Most of them are still alive, but some have died. He also appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. Finally, he appeared to me, even though I am like someone who was born at the wrong time or in the wrong way. So Paul tells us here in these first eight verses that The most important thing is this message. It is nothing else. It is that Christ died for our sins and that he was raised to life. And everything in your life hinges on how you believe this. How deeply you believe it. Whether you know it or not. Whether you cling to it, hold fast to it. What we're going to talk about this morning is, number one... Do you believe it? And if not, or even if you do and you need to be reminded, why should we believe it? Is there good reason to believe this? And number two, what difference does it make if you believe it? How does that change who you are? How does that uh, impact everything in your life? So I want to bring us back to the question that I asked before, before I went off into the announcements. Do you believe that Jesus is alive? Like, Do you you really believe that there was a human being, just like us, uh, doing normal human things, as well as many miraculous things, but a human being just like us who died? Think about someone you've known who died. Think about the last time you saw a dead body. He died, and then he came back to life Do you really believe that that's true? Because that's a very astonishing thing to say. We say it and we sing about it over and over. We use words that we don't normally use in our regular lives, like risen and resurrection. But he came back to life. Do you know that this is true? And are you able to base your life on this fact? Do you have confidence in it? Now, if you do, that's fantastic. I know if you do, you probably want more confidence in it, don't you? If you don't have confidence in this, if you feel, I, I'm not sure, or I don't believe enough, I wish I believed it more, I want to bring forward some reasons that we should believe this today, as Paul himself does in this passage. Speaking to Christians, people who've been Christians actually for some time, he's bringing them reasons again and again to remember that this is a fact It's not just a story that we tell, but it's a reality. And he brings them reasons to believe it. And so I want to give you mainly three reasons today that we should believe that Jesus rose from the dead, that he came back to life, he actually did, and that he is now alive. And those three reasons are these. Testimony, power, ...and prayer. Testimony, power, and prayer. The first one, testimony, is witness, is that people saw this. Paul himself goes into this very strongly. This is Paul's main argument in the passage. Jesus died and then he was seen by many people over a period of 40 days... ...and gave many convincing proofs that he was, in fact, alive... This is not something that the early church would have made up. It's just not. They weren't expecting him to come back from, from the dead, even though he had said that he would come back from the dead. They were hiding, had the doors locked, because they were afraid that the Romans or the Jewish authorities would come kill them, just as they had killed Jesus. The apostles were hiding. They expected that Jesus would stay dead, but he did not. Paul says in this passage, The first, he appeared to Peter. Actually, he first appeared to the women, we know, from the Gospels. Then he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve. After this, he appeared to more than 500 other followers, many of whom are still alive at the time that Paul is writing. At the time that Paul is writing, this message is beginning to spread all over the Middle East and all over the Roman Empire. And Paul is saying here, You can go and find these people. These people are still alive. You can go check it out with them. They saw it with their own eyes that this man was dead and he came back to life. It is an astonishing fact and one we should think about repeatedly that the apostles who saw Jesus after he was dead and came back to life went to their graves, faced death themselves, saying that this is true. Now, if they had known that it were a lie, if they had made it up, if it were just a story, would they have faced death? Would they have faced death by crucifixion, by beheading, by stoning? saying that they had seen Jesus come back to life, when all that they had to say to save their lives was, no, it's not true, we just made it up, we stole his body, or whatever else. It was just a joke, ha ha. But they went to their death, saying, no, this is true. And therefore, they could face death confidently, because they knew that they would not stay dead. They had seen Jesus come back to life. The second reason I want to give you today to believe that Jesus is alive is power. Jesus' words are power. Uh, we were watching, last night we were watching part of uh, the Bible, which is a, a recent uh, film series covering a number of different stories from the Bible, and we watched the part about the crucifixion. And there's a great scene in there where uh, Pontius Pilate is arguing with his wife because, of course, she had had this dream about Jesus and she didn't want Pontius Pilate to have anything to do with him, right? Don't hurt him. He's a holy man. You're going to regret this, she was saying to him. And he was saying, this isn't the first Jew that we've killed. And she says, yeah, but he was different. He was holy. He was chosen by God. And Pontius Pilate says... He'll be forgotten in a week. He'll be forgotten in a week. And this is what they thought. This is what the Jewish authorities thought. And this is what you would expect if what he said was not true. If he was a false prophet, if he had just made this up, if he wasn't really the Son of God, you would expect it all to have just faded away after a week or a month or a year, maybe spawned some little weird cult And then that died out a long time ago. And here we are, my friends. said this many times from the pulpit, but it is astonishing, isn't it? Here we are, still talking about him 2,000 years later, and it's not that it has decreased, but his power has increased and continues to increase in the world. And this is exactly what he said would happen. He goes to his death. How did he do it? Look at his astonishing faith. This man is unbelievable. I am so weak. He is so strong. He faces death, the death of a common criminal. His 12 closest friends abandon him. He faces that and says, I'm going to win. Everything in the world and in his life looks like he is lost utterly. And he faces that and he says, it's already over. I've already won. And he turned out to be right. And he will turn out to be right. He is now reigning over the world and his rule will only increase until the end when everything comes under his rule. And there is no kingdom but his. Second, on the issue of power, you can also verify that Jesus is alive. That he came back to life simply by putting his teaching into practice. And this is something that he himself said. How many of you have put Jesus teaching into practice and found it to be true? 4 of you, 10 of you? The rest of you should try it because if you put Jesus practice, you put Jesus teaching into practice, you find out that he is the one who actually knows. He's the one who actually knows what human life is and how it works and how it can be made better. Every human being in the world is trapped in all kinds of different things. Complexes and fears, anxieties, depressions, addictions. Jesus is the one who actually knows how we work. If you follow his teaching, you very quickly find out that it has power. That he's the one who knows how the world is organized. He's the one who knows how human beings really work. He's the one who can put us back together. His teaching is power. And finally, you should believe because of prayer. Or another way I could say this is because of the Holy Spirit. You can test the Lord Jesus Christ, and find out that He is real. How can you test Him? By prayer. By seeking Him. If you seek God, this is a promise in Scripture. If you seek God with your whole heart not just get down on your knees for five minutes one time and say, oh Lord, please help me, and then go back to doing your life however you want to do it. But if you seek God with your whole heart, He will respond. It is a promise in Scripture. If you pray and keep on praying, He will answer your prayer. Now, He doesn't always answer exactly the way that you ask because He loves you and He doesn't want to destroy you by doing things that you yourself may want but which are bad for you. But he does answer prayer in very clear ways so that we can know that he is real. And I I urge you, if you don't know that Jesus is real, put him to the test. He wants you to go find out if he is alive. He wants you to know that he is real. So these are the three ways that we can know, three of the ways that we can know. By the testimony of those who saw, and in fact, by the testimony of those who still see today that he is alive. By the power of what he predicted, by the power of his word and his teaching, and by prayer and by the Holy Spirit, he is here, he is alive, and you can know it. You don't have to be in doubt, but you're going to have to do something to find out. Now, we'll move on to what difference the resurrection makes. So for the rest of the sermon, I'm going to assume that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead and he is alive. What difference does that make in the world if Jesus is alive? First, it means that everything that he said is true. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead is the reason that I believe the Bible, period. There are many other reasons that would influence you. uh, Good reasons to believe the Bible, I suppose. Uh, But the main reason, the real reason, when it comes right down to it, that I believe the Bible is true, is because Jesus believed the Bible was true. And he came back to life. If someone is dead, and they are able to predict that, they come back, that they're going to come back to life, and then they're able to actually do it. Defeating the ultimate enemy of every human being, death. The thing that no one can defeat, no matter how smart they are, no matter how powerful they are, no matter how rich they are, no matter how popular, famous they are. Death comes to all, but Jesus defeated it. And if he did that, that means that the things that he says are true. If he defeated death, he's the son of God and everything he says is true. And this is actually the basis of all Christian knowledge. That Jesus came back to life. Let's move into some of the points that Paul says now. What what is the difference? What does it matter if Jesus came back to life? What does that tell us? Look down at verse 20. I'm going to read verses 20 through 26 for you. Here's what Paul says. Christ has been raised to life. And he makes us certain, because he was raised to life, he makes us certain that others also will be raised to life. Just as we will die because of Adam, we will be raised to life because of Christ. Adam brought death to all of us, and Christ will bring life to all of us. But we must each wait our turn. Christ was the first to be raised to life, and his people will be raised to life when he returns. Then after Christ has destroyed all powers and forces, the end will come, and he will give the kingdom to God the Father. Christ will rule until he puts all his enemies under his power, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. This is one of the things that Jesus taught that all human beings would eventually be resurrected, would be raised back to life. And the fact that he came back to life proves that this will one day happen. And this makes an incredible difference for how you view life. If this is all there is, if the world out there is really right, the majority of this city... That thinks that this, everything that we see, this is what is. That this life, after I die, there is simply nothing. All I am is my physical body. All my thoughts are just my brain. I have no soul. I will die and it will be over. If that is really true, then the philosophy of our culture about life makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Paul says it later on in this chapter. If it's really true that there's nothing after this life, after we die, we're just dead, it's over, then let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. That's the philosophy of our culture, isn't it? We're here just for a few short years. You just need to have as much pleasure and fun as you can possibly have. That's what's really important because that's all you got. This is what the culture thinks, and this is how they live because of what they believe about life. But it's a very different story if you are, in fact, going to rise from the dead and live forever. It's a very different story if you are, in fact, going to rise from the dead and live forever. This is a point that uh, C.S. Lewis makes very strongly. Let's say that you in your life are slowly becoming more bitter... You're becoming a grumpy old man or woman as you age. And this is a slow process. You know, you're not, you're not really that bad. You're just slowly becoming a little bit grumpier. Okay, maybe your grandkids don't like being around you so much. But it's not that big a deal if you're only going to live for 70 years, 80 years, 90 years. But what if you're going to live Forever? What is that slow process of you becoming more bitter and angry going to look like in a thousand years? What's it going to look like in 10,000 years? And C.S. Lewis says, it would look like hell. And then he says, in fact, if Jesus is right, hell would be precisely the right term for what it would be. If you're going to live forever... Things are very different than if you're going to live for 80 years. If you're going to live forever, there are many things that are very important that wouldn't be important if you were here just for a moment. Let's move down now uh, as Paul continues in this passage. I want to read from verses 50 to 55. And remember, I'm assuming now, I'm assuming you agree with me that Jesus is in fact alive. Because what we're about to read is quite an astonishing thing. And I think most people in our culture are not going to believe it, are going to think it's quite incredible. But if Jesus in fact came back to life, it is not incredible at all. It is the truth of what's going to happen. In verse 50, Paul says this, My friends, I want you to know that our bodies of flesh and blood will decay. Your body will die. This means that these bodies, they, cannot share in God's kingdom, which lasts forever. That makes sense. But I will explain a mystery to you. Not every one of us will die, but we will all be changed. It will happen suddenly, quicker than the blink of an eye. At the sound of the last trumpet, the dead will be raised. We will all be changed, so that we will never die again. Our dead and decaying bodies will be changed into bodies that won't die or decay. The bodies we now have are weak and can die, but they will be changed into bodies that are eternal. Then, as we sang about earlier, the scripture will come true. Death has lost the battle. Where is its victory? Where is its sting? Do you see what Paul is saying here? Earlier in the passage, in the part that we skipped over, he's called this new body that will be given to human beings a spiritual body. He's saying that one day you will be raised to life and those who are in Christ Jesus will be made like him. They will be made just like him. When Jesus came back from the dead, was he the same as before he died? And the answer is no, he was not. He had a new kind of body when he came back to life. In fact, his appearance had changed. It was the same body in some ways. He showed the apostles, he showed Thomas in particular, the wounds in his hands where the nails had gone through. He showed them the wound in his side where he had been pierced with a spear. It was the same body in some sense, but his appearance was changed. And his body had new powers, powers that the apostles uh, struggled to understand, and even at first to believe that what they were seeing was real. Jesus would just appear in a room. They had the doors locked, right? They're hiding from the Jews, and Jesus just says, hi. He just appears next to them. He apparently can walk through walls or materialize and dematerialize at will. He appears to be moving in and out of some other realm that we can't see. He also has, he has other abilities. At the end, when Jesus disappears, what does he do? When Jesus disappears into heaven, before their very eyes, he floats up into the sky. Now, he's not, he's not a superhero. Maybe like our culture thinks of that, and we watch all these movies about our modern mythology. But his body was very different after he came back to life. It was a new kind of body that could never die again. What's called a spiritual body. Something we won't fully understand, I think, until we are there, until we experience it. But I think we can understand a little bit of it, what it's like by thinking about our own experience in growing up. How many of you can remember being a child? Come on, raise your hands if you do. If you don't, that's okay. I've tried to block most of it out of my memory. When you were a child, you thought in a particular way about the world. And there were many things about the world that you understand now that you couldn't possibly understand when you were a child. And you lacked powers when you were a child that you now possess. So when I was a child, I can remember I uh, was just being amazed by some of the things that my parents could do. I could drive a car. That was an incredible power. resident in their bodies and their minds that I couldn't even fathom. I used to have nightmares when I was about five years old about someday driving a car. Because I, I just knew I would crash it as soon as I drove. I remember being a child and I was obsessed with toys. When you're a child, uh, you think about things in a different way. I can remember thinking, I was kind of an intellectual child, I can remember thinking, my parents are insane because they care about things other than toys. It's obvious, it's so obvious that the only thing that's really important in life is toys, getting more toys and playing with those toys. That was very clear to me when I was six years old. And So it was clear to me that adults had lost their minds I also could not imagine when I was a child the power that adults had um, to create things, to build things, to bring new life into the world, to understand things, to destroy things. But as you go through this process of becoming an adult, it simply happens. You are given new powers naturally by God and your thinking changes. And you see the world in a very different way and you realize that what you saw and thought when you were a child was not the whole story. You can understand the way a child thinks. A child cannot understand the way you think because you have now progressed beyond that phase of your life. And what Jesus is saying to us is that there is another phase of your life coming. That phase, for most of us, is on the other side of what we now call physical death. But there is another phase of life. And in that phase, you once again will understand things at a whole new level. You will still be able to remember and understand the way people think now, but you will realize that it was only a childish kind of thinking. It was not the whole story or even close to it. And you will have powers resonant in your body, your mind, and your spirit that you cannot now contemplate or imagine. You will have power less than, but in a similar way to the way God has power. You were made to bear the image of God and, in fact, to become like him. To become like God. Jesus Christ, but it will only happen if you develop properly. And so Paul sums up, he concludes this chapter in verse 58 by saying this, my dear friends, because of all this, because Jesus is actually alive and this is the truth about the world, stand firm and don't be shaken. Always keep busy working for the Lord because you know That everything you do for him is worthwhile. What is he saying here? He's saying that if this is true, then what's really important in life is your work for God. Is your work for God and your preparation in Christ for the next life. That's what's really important because this life is only a moment. What does he mean by the work of the Lord? Does he mean you need to come and spend a lot of time serving in church? That's not what he's talking about. Although serving in church will be part of your work for God, no doubt. What he is saying is that what you need to do is work for the Lord, for Jesus You take Jesus as your example, as your leader. When you wake up in the morning, you say, Jesus, you are in charge of my life, not me, and I'm going to do whatever you bring into my life to do for you, in your way, and by your power. That's the life that you live. That is the way you move forward and become like him. You take him as your master. You take him as your Lord, because that is what he is. As we go out into the rest of our lives today, this week, I encourage you, I beg you, think about these things. If you are not sure that Jesus is alive, seek him and find out if he is alive. And if you are sure that he is alive, base your life on that reality. In just a moment, there will be nothing else that matters. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for today when we can come together and worship you. We thank you again for what you have done through Jesus. And we pray that you would open our eyes, help us to know that Jesus is alive Help us to know it like we know there will be air there the next time we take a breath. To rely on it, to be confident in you. God, help us to follow you, to live our lives in the way that you lead us, and to be ready for the life that is coming. And God, I pray again for all those in this room and all those out there in this city who do not know what is true about the world. God, please, show them as you have shown us. I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.